Previously on Movie Schmovie. Oh, I've downloaded the wrong podcast. God only knows what those savages have done to her. In the debris, the debris, man, why? The debris. All right, so we got nothing. I will kill your infant daughter. It is a 30-gallon vat of filth. Tip of the pork pie, maybe. Slap it, flip it, rub it down. Oh, no. That's just the taste. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. All right, all right, all right, everybody. This is episode number 88 of Movie Schmovie. My name's John, and I'm here with Ron. Hi, Ron. Sorry, hey, hello. I'm calling you Ron now. Hello. All right, and then I'm over here with Stephen. <laughs> hello, Stephen. Hello, John. Thanks for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me. This is a, a special episode of Movie Schmovie because it's going to be kind of a grab bag of different topics, but we're going to start with a, sort of an interesting subject. We touched on it in our last episode. It's the idea of movies that have a central performance behind them. You might call them one-man shows, or if you didn't want to be offensive, you could say one-person shows. Or if you wanted to be really forward-thinking, you could just go ahead and call them all one-woman shows. I think that might be what we should call them. But we're going to talk about one-man shows tonight, and I'm about to bring my vocal volume up to its normal <laughs> level. It's like an episode already in progress, because we recorded, we just recorded the first part. Right. Which people heard last week. And we slid in, snuck up on you bitches, and then we're going to do a second one. Yeah, we're going to do another one. Snuck right up on you. Well, I usually want... what happens when there's a first part. <laughs> yeah. Usually the second one eventually comes, but we're coming like right right away. Right. But yeah, we were talking about Gravity, and definitely one of the things that's unique about that movie as far as a big budget film, uh, or an epic kind of space adventure film really, is that it does center on primarily the character Ryan Stone played by Sandra Bullock. And, and you could say the movie gets a lot of its quality and a lot of its power from that fact that you're following one character through an ordeal. And so, yeah, if, you, if we look at that as a, a type of movie, there definitely have been quite a few films that fit that mold. There's so many different ways to approach that when you think of a movie that only really has one person in it. What did you think, Ronald, when you when you heard that? Like, did 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 you immediately think that like uh, concert films and stand up films and things like that were off the table, or did you think of them as part of the pool that you would I, you would I, choose from? It was really hard to think about movies that fit this criteria. I did think, maybe, am I thinking like Aziza and Sorry stand up? What do I pick? I didn't really know, and then I thought about it more and more, and and I realized that I there were some that I could do. Yeah, there was some that I could pick. Yeah, I think that for me it was realizing there's certain movies that do have a lot more than one actor in them, but they they still ultimately come down to one actor being on screen for much of the yeah. film. And that, that opened it up a little bit. But I still think that, yeah, you have to consider even those, I would say, concert films were on the table. I was thinking yeah. about all the ones that I thought held up as good movies, though, you know, because there's a lot of great stand-up specials that I don't necessarily think I would put on this list just because they don't they don't feel like movies to me. But what about you, Steve? I, I just went right to movies. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really. I mean, when you mentioned that to me before we were recording, I was like, "Oh, damn, maybe I should have thought of that." Because well, I mean, I would say specifically ones that have been released as movies, though. You know, sure, not, no. not not just hour long. You know, specials, no, no, totally. But, no, I, I, that's kind of what yeah. I was thinking. But yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, I immediately went to like two movies, mm -hmm. yeah. and then I kind of filled in a third one. And I don't know that you guys are gonna. I think. I don't know if they're the two that you're thinking of. Mm -hmm. You seem pretty sure of what they are, John. Or like you're like, oh yeah, 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 the two, the two. 
Well, no, there's there's definitely a couple that jumped right to mind for me. Okay, okay. But I would say that, as we both mentioned before we recorded this, that you kind of don't want to go with those super obvious ones. You try to think of all the ones you really liked, but sometimes the most obvious one is the one that looms largest in your mind. And so, I, you know, I think that when you're talking about a, a small category like this, this is not like a whole genre of films. Sure. This is just... Although, I, doing my research, there are a lot of them that I've never heard of, and most of them are like older films or foreign films. There oh, seem to be really? a lot of movies that I might want to check out because they supposedly are riveting and they do focus on one actor, but it's a lot of them I haven't seen. Okay. And it's one of those times that makes me feel really middle-brow, so... Mm. Mm. Yeah, as cool as I thought you were, John. <laughs> Not as small... Well, you know, to you, I should seem highbrow, but to the average... <laughs> to the average intellectual, I should seem... I should seem middle-brow. <laughs> to you, a lesser man. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll get started well, somebody's off. Somebody's got to average it out, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll get started off with a movie that I actually saw very recently hmm. that I, I I liked quite a bit. It's a it's a film from 2009 starring Sam Rockwell. Bastard. Called Moon. Oh, okay. Somebody, I got it, that one it too. It jumped to my mind because it seems like it's one of those movies that's not just starring one guy, but it's about being alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, what, I, what I loved about this movie beyond just like, I think Sam Rockwell's a beast in this movie. I love Sam Rockwell. He's incredible. But it almost feels more like the sci-fi, a perfect example of what sci-fi should feel like. Like an alien-free sci-fi movie that is completely just atmospheric and moody and just really makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of like the best pieces of like the Twilight Zone that I love. And it feels like that to me. And, you know, to be a... Uh, I think this was the, was the first film that Duncan Jones Duncan made. Duncan Jones. Uh, David Bowie's son. Yeah. And it's just like... just It's just a tor- it's a powerhouse. I mean, it's really uncomfortable to watch. and uh, it's Yeah, kinda- really. It is very uncomfortable. Despite being kind of funny. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and- yeah. some of the funny parts are not really funny. Like, yeah. they're, they're only funny because of how uncomfortable you are. And you just kind of, like, laugh it off. And because it's Sam Rockwell, who brings yeah. a certain energy to it. But, yeah, I thought that his there's almost nothing to say about this movie without 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 ruining it. I would say anyone who hasn't seen Moon, it's a it's a really in- imaginative film that that addresses almost like a philosophical question that you might not have thought about, but it takes this idea of Man, you really can't say. But there's the, but there's a sci-fi trope that a lot of people have used and that we talk about a lot and you know there's there's something that that we that has is going on in this film that is related to something that people are actually doing and it's and in the movie it's a much more futuristic version of it but it enters into this ethical philosophical question of if you sort of copy a consciousness what are the individual rights of that consciousness as opposed mm. to the er, the original consciousness? And, and, and you know, it, it reminded me of uh, Primer yeah. in that sense, in that you have sort of different iterations of the same person having to kind of contend with each other. And uh. I don't want to ruin it by saying more than that, but it was... It was fascinating how that the movie really hinged on examining that idea of, of you know... Of blank versus blank, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and visually, I think this is a pretty cheap film, right? I mean, this was a small movie, but I, it was very. Uh, I mean, it was a five million dollar movie, and I think that they managed to really stretch that budget. There was only a f- maybe a few scenes where the effects you could feel the effects being limited by the budget. In general, they found a really nice atmospheric way to create this this moon base that Sam Rockwell's character is working on, and all the technology feels very realistic and lived in, and and yeah, like you said, Steve, alien free. It felt like true. In the same way that gravity could be called science fiction, even though it's a little misleading to call it this, this feels more in that pocket of like true science fiction, but with a real. You know, this feels like a story that Arthur C. Clarke could have written in the 60s or something like that. 
Yeah, no, that was a great movie. Moon. You've I've seen never, it? No, oh, you've never no, seen it? I've never seen That's it. That's great. No, you should definitely see yeah. it. I think I you would like it a lot. Do you like Sam Rockwell? I do. Okay, I, like I think that would be the test. If someone doesn't like Sam Rockwell, I think this movie is <laughs> not... just Sam Rockwell. You know? <laughs> right, right. But if, if, you, if you like him at all or if you've enjoyed and him... And that's why it makes it... It qualifies for this list. It's yes. just okay. him. Yes. Gotcha. Even more so than the average movie that fits <laughs> yeah. this category, though, because yeah, it really sure, is like... Sure. I, they even take great paints to almost... Well, there's only a couple of other faces that you ever see in it, you know, so... Interesting. What's one that comes to your mind, Ronald? Um, I think because of his his own isolation, just because of how strange he was. Uh, the most recent version of something like this that I could think of was The Master. It was it was like that because he was by himself so much, and then mm-hmm. when he was around people, he was still by himself. You're talking I, specifically about uh, uh, Joaquin Joaquin Phoenix's character, who was. Was he the star of the movie? Is he that... was. I would challenge you a little bit on the one man showness of that, but I. Uh, but you know, you can definitely make an argument that that <sighs> you're seeing everything through his eyes in a sense. Yeah, you know? I mean, I guess, I guess the reason I thought about it was because of people creating islands and in, in areas where they don't need to, and he did through his personality. Mm-hmm. But it was like even when he was in a room of people. He did something to isolate himself, and, and they feel like he was the only one there yeah. with this way of thinking. It's like, oh, super physical. I don't know. And and I guess I was thinking about the first maybe half an hour of the movie where he was he was with him. He was by himself a lot, a lot, a lot, like mm-hmm. just kind of on the beach and jerking yeah. off on the beach and i love the master so much i'm not going <laughs> to complain about it being on any list but yeah but th- i don't know i was thinking about that movie just because he was by himself so much yeah. i mean and he was with people too but right he's by himself a lot but well now that the rules have been completely blown off the this thing steve we got we, we got we got to keep the train we got to pull back on you the could track, just like man. you could name like derailed <laughs> the one direction film or uh yeah. <laughs> something well don't think that bad <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Power uh, Rangers a movie, <laughs> right? So the, the Avengers. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll bring it back on 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 track here, and I'm gonna go with uh, a movie from 2010, uh, starring Ryan Reynolds, directed by Rodrigo Cortez, oh. which is called Buried. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie I remember seeing like the teaser or like the short that they made for it before it actually was made. Um, that you know, a smaller project that Ryan Reynolds like really got behind and helped get made and. Um, it really is a movie that's just 94 minutes of him in a box, and he's a he plays a, a an American uh, truck driver working in Iraq who basically is kidnapped, buried alive. He has a few things buried with him: a lighter, cell phone, flashlight, glow sticks, things like that. And you know, it's basically 94 minutes of him piecing together what happened and then trying to figure out how to get out of it. The last five minutes of the movie are super intense. Um, I was absolutely involved with the film from minute one. I love Ryan Reynolds, and it was kind of like a a true test for me to see how much I liked him, because mm-hmm. he's like he can be that kind of funny, charismatic guy that too much of on the screen I feel like could ruin him for me. Uh, kind of like sometimes I feel like Will Ferrell can be different kind of actor. Don't get me wrong, but in a dramatic like role like this where there still is bits of humor where like he kind of has that personality shine through even in moments like this uh just a really really great film with uh a really powerhouse performance from ryan reynolds and like i said the last like five minutes the last 60 seconds of this movie are super riveting super nerve-wracking and ultimately 
like just a mind fuck in terms of how it ends mm. and just completely makes me feel wasted after I watch this movie of what you just invest into what is happening and what you think is going to happen and about to happen and doesn't happen. But, um, did you like it? Um, yeah, I just said that. <laughs> did you like it? I mean, like I, I, I genuinely right? love that movie. Oh, I love buried. Um, I, I, I didn't don't, see it. I, I, I mean, it's got like an 89% on rotten tomato. Uh, Ryan Reynolds movie with eighty nine percent. Yeah, it's like I think it's his. I mean, no doubt or eighty seven. It's his like highest movie for sure. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's not in like a lot of critically acclaimed films, mm. but this is I think one of the ones he's higher done. than R.I.P.D. Surprisingly, surprisingly, <laughs> yes. Higher than Smoking Aces. I don't know. I don't know actually what Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces numbers. was pretty decent though. I like I like Smoking Aces. I like Smoking Aces. But um. But that's really pretty good. Have you seen it? Yeah. You didn't like it. I, I don't remember it really jumping out at me, but right. then it, it's a mood thing, man. Like, I realize that, like, sometimes you can watch a film when you're, like, half-ass watching it, and I feel like I didn't invest as much intention in, into it as I should have. I, I mean, it's super ambitious, and I mean, I think the fact that it doesn't really go anywhere beyond that shot, mm. it makes it kind of unique. Like, even with, like, a film like Moon or Gravity, they're usually, you know, in very, uh, there's a lot of scenery to, to eat up. Mm-hmm. That kind of can supplement that one man or one woman show, you know. In this movie, it's it's really nothing beyond the lighting hitting him, you know, like in a box that's like you know you see dirt, you see remnants of sediment and things like that, and how he configures his body to get like the certain items that were left in the box, you know. It's kind of it's kind of uh, creative in, in how they do it, and um, I think his interactions, the only interactions he gets is over that cell phone, which itself is a timely experience because you know eventually that battery will die. You know the the clock he's working on for, um, like the ransom that's demanded for him, from him is one thing, but then the battery is another, and you know there's really no way to reach anybody beyond that phone, and uh, it's just kind of a really cool way of doing it. I mean, it, it truly is. I think one of, if not the ultimate, like one man show movie where you know you feel super claustrophobic watching it, or I did, and uh, you really invest in whether or not like you care about what happens to this guy within the first five minutes, and I think he really. I mean, he's, he really, I thought, did a great job beyond going against what a lot of people think he is hmm. and uh, kind of getting getting you to buy into why it matters that he tries to survive this experience. Yeah. But I would definitely recommend it, John. I mean, I don't know if you'll love it like I did, but I, I think it's a cool film. And uh, one, of the, one of the best examples of like a true, like, put him in a box, let me see you for 90 minutes, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think of you kind of movie. And I mean, I, I thought it was great. Hmm. Buried. 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 Buried, buried, buried. Um, I will go with the movie that I th- I feel like bends the rules a little bit uh, of this, just because I think that it's somehow implied when you're talking about one man shows that you're not necessarily talking about uh, you know a, a performance piece. I do think that that it, you you could we could have made the stipulation that concert films were not allowed, and therefore it would have stri- stricken all the stricken. It would have struck all of the. Uh, the stand-up movies from the list. But there's a movie that I kept coming back to that maybe it's just because this is the movie uh, that I've seen the most that fits this description. But it was on HBO a lot when I was a kid. It was something that my entire family loved. It's from 1983. It's Bill Cosby himself. Never seen it. Which was maybe one of the I most... you going to say Ghost Dead. One of the most formative... A one-man show. <laughs> no, it was one of the most formative ideas I had in my mind of like what stand-up comedy could be when I was mm. a little kid. And it was all of Bill Cosby's like stories about his, his 
kids and his and his family and it was basically the the batch of material that led to the creation of the cosby show i mean mm-hmm. a lot of the characters he, he talked about when he was talking about his kids and that it was very easy you know when i was young i was able to tell oh some of the scenes from those early episodes of the cosby show were lifted right from his stand-up from this special oh, wow. bill cosby himself but i just remember that you know my mom loved it my sister loved it my dad loved it and we would all laugh and quote it back and forth. And it was, you know, prior to something, getting to see something like Eddie Murphy Raw, it was the first real exposure I had to that kind of stand-up film where you're watching, I mean, I'm, you know, let me look at the length here. It's like an hour and 45 minutes long. So, I mean, it's wow. a long piece and there's a lot of stories told in it, but it's just a masterful command of the crowd. And I think that watching Bill Cosby, again, what we think of as Bill Cosby nowadays it's kind of hard not to filter him through. He's kind of the old fogey who's always telling the rappers to pull their pants up and shit like that, you know? But there was a time when he may have been everyone's agreed upon choice for like funniest man breathing. And yeah. and I think that what he represents to stand up, the art of stand up, a lot of stand up comics will tell you they, they got started doing jokes by memorizing his albums, you know? So I think just in terms of that, just what a great performer he is. I mean, obviously there's Richard Pryor concert performances that you could mention too. I already said Eddie Murphy. There have been some really important ones, mm-hmm. but I think this is one that just really sticks out in my mind as a great example of a movie that is all about you know a person standing there talking and it's it's riveting so yeah yeah bill cosby himself bill cosby himself um i guess my next pick uh you guess (laughs) 2002's phone booth (laughs) phone booth phone booth colin farrell doing it acting in a booth threatened his life on the line a very. I, lo- I love how you're putting this together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it, so broken up. I love it. It's it's. I don't know, man. I I think it was one of. It, it's one of those movies that tricked me, man. I was like, I'm watching this movie. Fuck. I was just watching this guy in a phone booth for 90 minutes, but like you don't think about that because the action is done so well. I mean, uh, it does go off a little bit. Talk to. Uh, Forrest Whitaker's character and Colin Farrell's girlfriend. No, when you mentioned this one to me earlier, when I suggested this list to you, and you yeah. said like like that phone booth movies, which you were yeah. talking about phone booth, like you said, it's, like, it's actually <laughs> pronounced phone booth, like like that phone, phone booth movie, phone booth. starring Colin Farrell, and I said that's a pretty perfect example because even though it does have all these other characters in it, it does it have a central character who you are you were stuck with him the whole time. Yeah, it's it was done it was done well. I, I I think the big thing with that film that really makes it work, and I'm a fan of the movie too, yeah, yeah. Is, is the pacing of it. Yeah. I think for, for what it is, uh, really kind of committing to that, like, to the, uh, like, I guess a, a thriller slash action yeah. vibe. Um, the pacing is everything. I mean, something I think it, frantic. It, it frantic. Does, it doesn't, yeah, it's a great word. It doesn't really let you, it doesn't really let you kind of piece together the flaws and with the, of the film. Yeah. You know, like what it, what it does wrong. I think it moves so fast that you don't really have time to sit on that. You just kind of stick with his like, his motivation yeah. to 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 get out of this situation alive. I like I like that every time that it felt like it wasn't a real, there weren't real stakes. It got serious. Like he's like, you know, this is real. And then, who was the voice on the phone in that? The bad I, guy. I, I think it's Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. yeah. Kiefer Sutherland. Yep, yep, yep. That makes a lot of sense now. He's got a good voice for that. He does, man. His his voice still doesn't match his face to me, but. 
what I'm going to need you to do. <laughs> yeah, he does have a, a great voice. But yeah, that there were the parts where he kind of doubted it and then like kind of shot at the booth. And yeah. It's like, oh, this is this is very real. I, I, it, it's so funny, Steve. <laughs> Ronald, you have to understand, Steve just likes your sentence structure sometimes. He just likes the way you express thoughts. <laughs> There's no telling what made him laugh. You just seen him laugh in the corner of my eye. <laughs> I would say that half the time when you're around, Steve is what we what we call tickled. <laughs> that, you know? That's pretty good. Yeah. Foam, 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 boof, foam, boof, foam, boof, foam, boof, foam, boof, foam, boof. Stevie Wonder, great songwriter. We're, yeah, I know, man. Great songwriter. Uh, my next one is. Uh, I, was that apropos of anything? I was trying to connect to that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um. Did he record a song called Foam Boof? <laughs> he should have. That's, he did just call to say he loved you. Yeah, that's right. So there it was. From a, from a foam boof. He didn't mention that he was in a foam boof. I think it's very funny that people listen to that uh, happy birthday song. And it's about Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, not a, it's not like a happy birthday, like a... Like a cel- it's celebratory, but it's not. It's not for you. It's not for you. It's, it's not for you when you that turn 21. That makes me laugh yeah. so much whenever I hear it. Sorry. Now for you. <laughs> the next one that I have in this non non list show, more conversation type show. Yes, is uh oh shit one of my favorite actors. Totally forgot of all time, and uh, I mentioned him. I think in the last episode, who could possibly play George Clooney's character in Gravity, mm-hmm. and that's Mr. Tom Hanks, yeah. and that would be the film Castaway. Um, Which not- is one of the ones that I was referring to as like okay. someone's got to talk the, about got, this. Got to bring it up. Yeah. yeah. Not a perfect movie, but oh, God, I don't. I don't even know. Like Tom Hanks, man. Like he just. I, I I felt like watching him on that island felt like what most of us would feel like, who didn't have a fucking clue what to do. Right, and the, the, and brilliant, so, the brilliance of putting him in that is yes. that exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I can I can I can invest in watching this and believe everything that's happening. Only because I feel like I would be as clueless initially and not sure what to do and mm-hmm. as desperate at times. And and his character, the little bit that you see before it all happens, there's nothing that make me think he's any more special than me. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's just a guy. He's an everyman, which Tom Hanks is so great at being. And seeing that every man completely just turned upside down and, and, and you know, committing to surviving, I mean, that, that movie uh, just is it's just a great experience. And I think it may not be his best film. But I think it's uh, one of his one of his better performances because he literally is all I have to watch. And you know, for all the things that come out of that movie, like you know the volleyball, like Wilson, and all these other characters, or you know ways he 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 makes to cope with the experience, is really nothing compared to, like to the emotional journey that you go with from him when when that movie opens to when the film closes. You know mm-hmm. when when he makes it back. But not to ruin it for people that haven't seen it. But well, no, I was going to say what I always think of this movie in relation to the fact that it was the first. It, Robert Zemeckis is like a repeat offender of editing these trailers that give away yeah. the entire plot of his movies. And before, you know, this there was a recent discussion that seems to be going on over the last few years about spoilers and whether people actually enjoy movies less for for knowing what happens in them. 
And people say, well, you know, therefore spoilers are okay because it's shown that people enjoy movies just as much if they know what happens. But I don't like that decision being taken away from me. I don't like when the trailer for the movie, like if I'm going to seek information out and read about a movie, I may find out things that would spoil it. But watching the trailer to get me excited to go see a movie, I don't want that to ruin the movie for me. And Robert Zemeckis, this was back, you know, maybe 10 years ago. He was on the record saying that he thinks that audiences like to see what they're going to get. And so he tends to show a lot in his trailers. Well, in Castaway... There's a shot of him being rescued, of him on the plane back. Mm-hmm. And there's even a shot of him like going to see Helen Hunt. Like, so it's like you know from the trailer he gets back, which I mean, I guess that doesn't hurt the experience of the movie, but in a way, it takes away what might have been the main bit of suspense. And of course, now I've just repeated that effect here. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, it did seem like, you probably remember, you seem to be agreeing, Steve. It, it was obvious from the get-go yeah. that that was the arc of the film. For sure. And so maybe... What's unique about it is that knowing that that happened, it's still you got into that. How's the, how is this guy just going to get through the days he has to get through without losing his mind? Yeah, I mean, it, it literally is simply what do you do? Yeah, it's yeah. survival, but it's, it's, it's almost just, like a more drawn out version of yeah, survival. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really it's weird to like try to put it in the words like this kind of movie because it is it is it feels bigger than like my other movie, like I said, buried, but. It's just that it's just that, it, and it's and it's that cliche that we always talk about. Like, what would you do if you were stuck on an island? You know, mm-hmm. what would be your list of yeah. songs? What would be your your one thing you take with you? And you know, in a situation where you don't really have anything, you would never have said a volleyball. No, maybe I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I used to like volleyball. Yeah. That scene in Top Gun is great with the volleyball yeah. scene. Uh, but sexy, yeah, <laughs> very, <laughs> very sexy. I don't know. Just it's just a really cool experience, and I think that uh, it, it it comes down to literally just being, what would you do? And, and experiencing what he goes through and how he reacts to to every little success that he has. Like, it's the biggest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. That is exactly how I feel like it would feel to me. And I, and I mean, little things that happen in life now when we have those moments of, like, little, like, happenstance. Like, oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, the dumbest yeah. little things. When that situation, like, the dumbest little things, it's like the world. Well, I mean, like, for, for us, we're, like, overjoyed if we get to a place and we discover they have free Wi-Fi. Yeah. So, like, yeah. This, this, you know, he, he's experiencing whatever the opposite of that yes. kind of triumph yes. is. <laughs> it's like he's going back through, like, discovering fire yes. and how do you feed yourself. Yes. And, yeah, I mean, so it was... It, like this movie is so much about how do you pass all that time it's not so much about there's debris coming and in the next 90 minutes you've got to get to a safe haven like in gravity yeah. it's like no this is about a guy who the problem is that he's got time yeah. he's got nothing but time yeah and like even his eventual like escape from the island is framed as a kind of what else am i going to do except <laughs> try to get off this fucking <laughs> island you know <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he's getting off the island because there's a volcano or because right, there's right. tigers after him or anything like that. He just but. wants to on his board. Yeah. Close runner-up is Money Pit. <laughs> Tom Hanks in a house by himself. But he's we not house. really by himself yeah. with like 19 other characters. Yeah. Though. <laughs> and the other people. <laughs> house. And that is all you ever need to know about Ronald <laughs> and being able to stick on the topic. <laughs> Ronald, Ronald, took this, just, Ronald took this list to be movies that have, that at have le- people in it. That have at least one actor in them. <laughs> I just wanted to say Buddy it's Pit. It's greater than or equal to one. Yeah, at least one actor, Ronald. Um, well, since I just said Tigers, I might as well jump into my oh, next pick. Oh, damn you. Because this is one that I almost didn't think of because it has so much going on in it. Mm-hmm. But talk about survival. Talk about a person in a fucked up situation who has to think constantly. The whole first, not first chunk, but like once you get this character into isolation, the whole middle piece of this movie is dealing with how to negotiate this weird situation he's in. As, as my son 
brilliantly put it, it's really hard to try to make friends with a tiger. It's Life of Pi from last year. Oh, and I so guess good. I should give special recognition to the actor that we're referring to here, Suraj Sharma. Who I think this was his first big movie, mm-hmm. if not his first role of all. Uh, and I think that he's like... Uh, it's amazing how strong of a presence this character becomes and how by the time this movie's over, you... you I mean, you don't just admire the actor for having had this like believable rapport with all these digital creatures but it's it it it's it reminds kind of what you were saying about tom hanks with every little discovery he makes you get this real sense of triumph when this kid figures out okay how's he going to how's he going to be a in a situation where he's basically on a boat with a tiger and not just immediately get eaten by the tiger how are these characters going to hash out their 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 territory and how are they going to learn to coexist it it all happens right in front of your eyes and it's it's really it's really interesting um, and again, back to Henry, what sticks with him is the, you know, the, the urine. He, he remembers the part where that guy was yeah. peeing on the boat. But I mean, all that <laughs> stuff, like the fact that he's in a, in a literal territorial pissings with a tiger when you've got like just so many square feet to coexist, that movie could have been so boring or could have been so bleak. But instead, it's like, uh, I mean, you said it about gravity, Ronald, but it's visual poetry. So much of Life of Pi yeah. is just, it's just awe-inspiring to look at and if there's a movie that i wish i had seen in the theaters in 3d same it was that one so same. i would say life of pi again another movie that could be on a lot of different lists but definitely one where where you are forced to contend with a crazy situation through the eyes of a single character and you really come to to feel the the growing strength of that character it's really yeah. ins- inspirational movie okay um, so back to the money pit. <laughs> Ronald says, like, Magnolia. And that goddamn house. <laughs> a movie with What's the biggest ensemble <laughs> yeah. cast ever known in a film? The Royal Tenenbaum. There it is. Uh, my, my last pick um, is a movie that I don't care how you feel about this man. I think that this was one of his best films. Why don't you care how? What if I, what if I have strong feelings about this man? I don't know if you have strong feelings. You just feelings, said you don't care. Feelings about Will, William Smith. <laughs> it is the future. It is dark. People have died, and there aren't too many people, at least in his proximity. Will Smith and I am legend. Did you have missed your calling? Why are you working where you work? You need to just solicit every major or not major studio. Let me just put 17 words together to sell your movie. Or just any, like, a number of people call that have things explained to them. <laughs> just let it be Ronald. Let it, it is the future. People have died. There are other people. And Will Smith. <laughs> just like Tom Hanks in The Money Pit. That movie, pre-sale ticket already bought. So, so that should just be me. The best part, the, people have died. There are other people. <laughs> there are other people. There aren't many people, I think. There aren't many people. Yeah, it, yeah man, this, this is a, it was a great movie to me. I mean, it, it, story-wise, it was the What movie best. is this? I Am Legend. Oh, yeah. Or, or... <laughs> Or the the sci-fi version, I am Omega. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Mm. That was it was fucking. You mean Omega Man? No, it was like I am Omega. You talking about the old version of? No, this this came. This was like right around the time that I am Legend came out. Oh, okay. It's one of those. With Mark Dacascus. Is that counter? It was that counter yeah. to every movie. It was the Atlantic uh, Rim. Well, because yeah. Omega Man. That be- makes me laugh every time I hear it. Atlantic Rim. Makes me laugh every time I hear it. Gulf At- of Mexico Rim. <laughs> Gulf of Mexico. No, I know the one you're talking about. I, yeah. I am Omega. Yeah, it's like I am Omega. It was like a 
wasn't it like a, it was like a direct to video thing. Well, cuz cuz the short story or the the novel that I am legend is based on was adapted in the 60s uh, or in, in 1971 it was adapted as The Omega Man starring Charlton Heston. So I oh. guess I am Omega was probably like a, an even more direct attempt <laughs> at like at like year. chipping away on uh, I am legend. But Yeah, it was kind of a similar thing, but I I think that story-wise it wasn't the best, but Will Smith's acting in it was really pretty good. I thought I thought it was pretty good. Well, I thought that one thing that movie did that, the, <laughs> so that, that whole section where he's like where he's got a life that's like safe, but he's yeah. got to get back home in time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Do you, right? But do you ever get that feeling like you get home and you get behind the closed door and you get in bed and you get and you're almost like I'm safe. Yes, he did I, have that, that safe. That, that movie has that feel to it that I yeah. always like and I always hate it in those movies because you know it's not going to last yeah. long. But it's you're like right. there's a system, there's something that's working. It's you know? it's really it was really good because it was like safe for so long. Yeah, you're like man, he's good, and then it, it starts to get crazy. Yeah. And he's <laughs> yeah, it was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, giggle puss. What's your What's your last it. pick? Oh my god, this is the best. <laughs> he was good. He was good. Will Smith's good. He's just good. <laughs> Straight from everything he's done, he was good. He was, he's just so he good. was doing it good. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oddly enough, I also have a Will Smith film. Really? No, not at all. Oh, um, <laughs> bait and switch. <laughs> I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna Walker this a little bit. All right. Um, not really with two films, but a film with two people. I, I'm not gonna say too much about it because I, I was like struggling for like the fourth movie, but it was a cool film that came out. It was like one of those kind of underground buzz movies back in 2003. Mm. Uh, loosely based on a true story about a couple that basically gets left out in the middle of the ocean. It's called mm. it's called Open Water. Oh, um, yeah. It's a small movie that came out. Uh, Lionsgate picked it up back in 2003. Um, based on a story f- from 98. Uh, just one of those movies where, like, the shit just... The, the, the worst possible thing happens. And uh, just a couple being thrown into a situation like, oh, this is a great experience and we're going scuba diving together and so romantic and so beautiful and whatever. And then they come up and people, then they they just left them. You know, they mm-hmm. thought they were accounted for and they left them. And it just, all the elements kind of coming into play, darkness, the like how huge the ocean is and how small you are in it. Uh, and not to mention the natural predators that exist out mm-hmm. there, which, you know, ultimately is like the scary part of the movie towards the end. Um, just a really effective, very unsettling, and uh, not a film for everybody. I know a lot of people that kind of thought that it was kind of boring and slow. Mm-hmm. But um, again, another situation where I can't help but think, how would I react? Yeah. Mm. In a situation like that. I mean, that's I, the crux I, I, of that movie. Is yeah, that that's you, it. Because you just are like, I don't ever want to experience that. That's but it. I'm, but I, I might force myself to sit through it. And see what happens yeah. to them. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what it was for me. Just And that's not so much like I would say that I love their performance. I, I, I do think they did a really great job in the film, the two actors who I think have gone on to do nothing else. But... I think just the, their their relationship in the in the context of being in that horrible situation, mm-hmm. how they play off one another, how they work together at times and not so much together at other times, and how they um, help one another succeed in certain situations and 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 their individual failures ultimately at times lead to uh, mm-hmm. a couple <laughs> failure yeah. uh, on emotional and physical levels, but uh, just just a really cool experience of a film and. 
collectively as a performance, I think something that you can really kind of get into and and kind of just stick it out to see what happens. You know, I thought about movies that had two characters in them too, and I, I was going to say they would be admissible, you know, just because yeah. I think when you're talking about a situation where it's down to a, a couple of people dealing with a situation, it, it has almost the same effect. Of, I mean, like, in fact, in Gravity, there's, you know, much of the film, she's she's with George Clooney. So even in that movie, which is a pretty much a one-person show, right. it's got other characters in it. Um, what I do remember us saying was, even before we'd seen Gravity, though, is we were talking about how the only thing you can even compare the the vulnerability you would feel being out in space, the only mm-hmm. thing you can even compare that to would be the ocean. Yeah. And being out in the middle of the ocean, you are you feel so vulnerable because the... Especially if you're bobbing around at the top, because the whole world is beneath you, yeah, and you're not that supposed so to be true. there, and and that is so true. and you have no consciousness of what's below you, but you couldn't be more obvious to anything that might be looking around for you, and so it's, it's, it's that's horrifying. a great way to put it. Yeah, that, that's exactly how the experience feels watching that movie. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think what's also really interesting is that it kind of it kind of like really gets under your skin. I think you know and. It kind of makes you like. Th- there's those times like where you question, like, you know, you say it's only a movie, it's only a movie, and like you know, you kind of have that check in your head that I'm watching a movie. Yeah. But it, I think it, there's a couple points in that film where it really gets to, or it really got to me, um, just like the experience that they were going through, and and it kind of, I kind of lost that disconnect for a moment there, where I was like believing that this is only a movie, and it more so felt like something that was real, mm-hmm. and that could really be experienced by me in any near future you know what i mean yeah which is like truly terrifying um but yeah the way you put it was incredible i mean i think that that unknowing of what's below that surface is just yeah yeah <laughs> and and the cameras you know the way the cameras and it it's a very minimalist like type of film like there's not a it's, there's no real greatness to it but i think that's kind of what allows you to relate to it because you don't have a lot of insights into these things like when you're if you were to ever experience something like that mm-hmm. and you you really are limited to what you see just like a lot of the character you know experiences yeah um so yeah it's a cool little film from i also have to mention that movie was like a huge hit i mean like a movie that was that. made for like like i think half a million dollars and i think went on to make like 55 or 60 million dollars mm-hmm because of the oh. interesting premise and like the marketing behind it was incredible, and uh, anytime you throw sharks in, I'm down. Same, <laughs> same. But yeah, open water is pretty cool. Well, so that was fun, fellers. Talking about that type of movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just to throw, are there other ones that I wanted to say? I mean, that you guys wanted to throw out there because I was thinking like movies like, um, what was the one? 127 hours. The yes. James Franco movie yeah, kind of was, was one. I didn't really like that movie. I, yeah, I, I wasn't like a huge fan of it, but I feel like it's still an yeah. impressive performance. That's one that yeah, I might have put on the list, good. but I didn't actually see that one. Um, oh, okay. I, I thought briefly about The Shining as a possibility because it does focus on yeah. it, a small group of characters and kind of does track the madness of this one character. But ultimately, I kind of struck it just because I feel like the character of the wife and the kid are strong enough. Sure. Yeah. But in the sense of what you experience with Jack Nicholson in that movie, with his character, you really are seeing the, the isolation of a, of a person and how what the effect that has on someone. Uh, what about uh, Into the Wild? I had uh, that as a possible. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna mention that one. Uh, I don't know why I didn't. I, I think that. I, I think just, that qualifies. Yeah, it just that was. A, oh. And back in the realm of like concert films, Spalding Gray is a monologist who had uh, 
who had a series of films that he did with Jonathan Demme. And they were mm. basically like one-man shows that were filmed versions of him sitting at a desk or you know sitting on a stage doing his monologues. But they oh, were wow. filmed in a more... Filmed more like a, a a documentary or a movie than necessarily the way a lot of times the concert films can be done, and those were those were movies I considered, but I ultimately went with uh, with Bill Cosby when I was thinking about that sort of movie. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, I'm sure we could think of more movies that spend so much time with one character that you could make the argument that they fit this. I mean, really, what what that one man show thing suggests is that. Th- the driving force behind this movie is this actor's performance, you know, mm. and that opens you up to a lot of different things, like Money Pit. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely Money Pit. Speaking of which, Money Pit, you can't talk about Money Pit without thinking about that great scene where the tub breaks through the floor. Yes. And Tom Hanks, shot through the hole in the floor, <laughs> has the meltdown of laughter and madness. <laughs> That's a great it's shot. It's almost like a reversal of the shot uh, that I was talking about from Breaking Bad oh, and yeah, Crawl yeah. Space. It's like a reverse view, but it's definitely a person whose mind is broken. Um, but, you know, We've seen other recent films. We've before we before we end this episode, we should talk a little bit about those. I know Steve, you've probably seen more movies than the rest of us, which leads us to uh, have a feature that I really wanted to call "Quick Reads" with Steve Reader. But then I found out that that's not how Steve's last name is pronounced, <laughs> so we have to instead call this feature "Quick Ritz," like the cracker with Steve Ritter. And that's what I was going to say to you guys, we, dude. You dude, sponsorship. If you guys want to have a quick Ritz, while oh yeah, John, about you were hiding films, the crackers. Yes, I had them, I had them <laughs> sneaky, here. Sneaky, sneaky bastard. I love like Ritz. Quick Ritz, Ronald. Absolutely, I'm we, we should two. be. We should be. Oh. oh my God, you just crushed two of them. We should be monetizing this. Yeah. Why is Ritz not sponsoring us? Okay. <laughs> John's like, I'm gonna give you this one. I was no, about to hand you a cracker, but <laughs> oh, good. So now people can complain. I know one, people love nothing more than hearing you eat on a microphone. And, and trust me, they taste really good. Yeah, these are buttery. They're crisp. They're Man, salty. the buttery is what makes this yeah. thing You know perfection. what I like to do? I like to turn it upside down so that the salty mm. side hits my tongue. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It's a genius. So, Steve. Crunch, crunch. <laughs> <laughs> care to... Can I talk so, about some movies you've so seen? So I'll just I'll, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit too long on these because I'll just kind of plow through and say my general thoughts and whether I think you should see these films. Okay, cool. Not. So first up is White House Down. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I knew everybody was eagerly awaiting this film, Ronald. I know you can't wait to see it. Um, I will say that I think it's basically the same film as Olympus Has Fallen, which came out. I was wondering like a about year that. or a half a year before this one. I think beat it to the punch. And it actually did much better at the box office than this film, which is weird because this movie's got like Jamie Foxx and Channing Tatum. They're big stars in this movie. Um, Not very good. Uh, It's dumb fun. Like, if you like that kind of like hoorah, like America, you know, like let's blow shit up and save the day, check it out. 90 minutes, you know, whatever. But I'm not, it's not really my cup of tea. I'd say if you want to see it, maybe go with the DVD or Blu ray, Mm -hmm. wait for it. I think it actually is coming out now on yeah, Blu-ray, really, which really is sad. how I got to see it. Um, I also saw Runner Runner. How was um, that? Starring my boy Ben Affleck. Uh, my Has girl. he had some work done, like around his eyebrows or something? Really? I saw a picture of him that looked <laughs> really. That looked at least. I like, have to ask him. It looked at least know. like somebody has like plucked very. You know, he had. Like, he may be like kind of well get, kept. You yeah. know, like I, I don't know. He's don't getting know. ready for Batman. Maybe he is. I don't know. Um, well, he's in this film. As well you just as don't want to see your Justin boy get in Timber- Kenny Rogers' eyes. You don't want to see him get <laughs> no, in Kenny no, Rogers' eyes. No, that's just awkward. That's just weird. Uh, Justin Timberlake, Gemma Archerton. Arthur, Ar- 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 Arterton. 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 
Uh, she's really easy and nice to look at. I love she's Ben Affleck. She's really easy. <laughs> she's easy in life. I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> Basically, I'm saying you have a chance, Ronald. Thanks, man. Um, Basically, he's saying she's a whore. Yeah, yeah. I no. didn't say that, John Walker. No, he meant easy, she's... I think, and nice to look at. Easy to look at easy, and nice to look like at. Easy like a Sunday yeah. morning? Sure. She's okay. easy like Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so this movie's not good. <laughs> not, not good. Just to get to it real quick. Um, I wanted it to be good because it looked kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Cool idea, I think. Uh, very poorly executed. Who directed it? You know, I was looking it up. The guy did Lincoln Lawyer, which okay. actually I really liked. I knew it was somebody that had done um, something that was supposed to be good. Lincoln Lawyer was good. Yeah, Brad Furman. Yeah, surprisingly, Lincoln Lawyer was great, I that thought. Great it really movie. surprised me. Um, there's just not enough going on with this film like to really drive the, the plot through to the end. I mean, it kind of jumps all over the place. Uh, I actually honestly think Ben Affleck's pretty good in this movie, and so is Gemma. She's not really in it a whole lot. The big problem for me with the movie was was Justin Timberlake. Which really? I, I genu- genu- uh, generally find him... Very you, were trying, you were trying to combine generally and genuinely. Genuinely, yeah. I mean, both well, either would work. Generally. Yeah. <laughs> he's like very charismatic, very entertaining. And, and most things I've seen him in, I've thought he's done a pretty good job, like in uh, like Alpha Dog and, and, and Social Network and, and smaller roles. But I think as the star of this film, um, did not have the legs to carry to carry this movie. And I'm kind of curious to see what he does next. I know he is in uh, the Coen Brothers film in a smaller role, which I think he will play too, you know, his strength. But I, I'm curious of what his next big. I like role. the Time movie. The what? Time. Was that, oh, was that, that movie was horrible, man. You didn't like it. What was it called? Like In Time or in About Time? time? I like or... that movie. No, no, no. Um, what? That no, was I mean okay. it's cool that you like. I'm just I'm not a fan. Um, I would movie. say just pass this movie altogether. It may oh, not even wow. be worth your money on like DVD. Fuck, or was that bad? I think it's got like a. I don't even know if it's in double digits on Rotten Well, it's the worst kind of movie for me where I'm mildly interested or mildly curious, and then I keep seeing like these two-and-a-half-star and and C-level reviews. I mean, I'm almost more interested in a movie that gets one star and F reviews than a movie that gets (laughs) C-minus. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's almost nothing enticing about... It's like perfectly mediocre A movie that didn't look that special to begin with, and then you find out that people are not that excited to even trash it. It's it's like... uh, Yeah, there's not really enough of a payoff there. Like, you... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like like I said, the premise is cool. Like, it's got a cool idea that I could go through with if it was developed better and, and... and like a better screenplay or something just just didn't work. It's got eight percent. I just looked it up. That's eight percent. Eight percent. Eight. Eight. Yes. As, as in Cal Ripken's number. Eight. Um, that's so crazy. God, that makes me hungry. Single digits. Yeah. Have another Ritz, John. <laughs> um, I'm have a quick Ritz. The next movie that I saw. So I'm going through these wow. probably. Absolutely. Um, is Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Duh. Duh. Um. <laughs> I felt like this movie was much more geared towards kids than the first one was. Mm-hmm. Um, like all the food puns and like yeah, you know the little kind the puns. of what's that? I was wondering about the puns. I heard this one had a lot of big puns. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of big puns in this film. Why is that such a funny sentence to me? <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about the puns. <laughs> what I is? That, the, I know that was keeping you. What up is the night. pun level? They need on the rating. You know, when they say like sometimes for for nefarious violence and the the big pun was not in it though. He passed away what thirteen years ago. <laughs> passed away but, quite a while ago. <laughs> um, he, a hologram was in the film though. <laughs> That's what he meant by he was wor- wondering about the puns. He was like, I was wondering about big puns. I was wondering about big puns. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's still it's, it's still, whole puns family. A, a fun film. A cute family film, much more family kitty than the first one, which I mm-hmm. thought was a lot funnier, and uh, I, I just enjoyed more. Uh, I, you know, the voice talent is always great. I think Bill Hader is an incredible voice talent in mm-hmm. general. I think, 
and even Anna Ferris as the girl, um, the, or the female lead. I've discovered um, it's Anna. Anna Ferris, yes, Anna Ferris. You're, you're right. I've been saying it wrong all this time. Well, she's a native of to. the Maryland. Yeah. yeah, no, that's awesome. Crazy. Um, How did Terry Crews? We could probably get her on the podcast. Mm. Oh, he knew we filmed here. Done. We should, shoot, here. we should shoot for that. How did Terry Crews stand in for Mr. T? Fine. No, no difference. I mean, very. I, there's no disconnect yeah. or whatever for me. <laughs> you are like, God damn. Mr. Where's T? Mr. T? I'm Where's, out. Yeah. Where's my refund? <laughs> that's not the real T. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like, I. In terms of family film, because there's not really a lot in the theaters now, I say check it out. You know, it's 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 cute, it's fun, it it is it is a great experience, I think, for a family to go to together. Like if you know an adult, just you know, just going to the movie on their own. Like a lot of these uh, animated films really offer a lot to more than just kids. I think this one really kind of missed that 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 uh that ambiguous humor that really kind of a lot of animated films really draw some of the adult crowd in with. Mm-hmm. Where the first one had a lot of it, I thought, and it just felt like much more. I guess dumbed down, you oh. know, or, or brought down to like a more of a child. I feel film. like that was my pick for this month. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's getting to a point now where that that computer generated style of animated movie um, has to be worth your time. Now. Well, you can also though have a movie that really does, in terms of its look, holds up amazingly well. Yeah. And doesn't have much of a script behind it. And you I know? think that's what keeps happening. Like yeah. you get you get these amazing looking movies that aren't. You know, I have the Croods was really good. I still haven't seen it. I heard, I, I've heard I have a good copy of it. about that too. Yeah, yeah I haven't like watched it's it yet, it's, it's funny because I thought that the Croods looked like it wasn't going to be as good Agreed. as Cloudy. Yeah. And everybody keeps saying that the Croods is really good. So maybe. Well, I definitely was one of those people that thought the Croods looked horrible. But but <laughs> I, I think stra- we all did. I remember. But strangely, yeah, we did a little strangely, bit. I wanted to see it more than you. Guys I was about to say, did. I think that you were slightly softer on Us, it. Yeah. But you weren't like coming in here saying, "Guys, yeah, the Croods, Steve, get me some passes." Um, I think I may have seen a couple of the other movies that, that you saw. I saw uh, The Dirties. Holy shit. What the <laughs> fuck? Where'd this movie come from? The Dirties. I don't know. Uh, written and directed by Matthew Johnson and starring Matthew Johnson, yeah. who I believe plays Matt yeah, in the film. Matt, yeah. <laughs> and in fact, I'm, I'm looking at the, the credits here, and it looks like... Is it a comedy? It looks like Matt and Owen are both playing characters that are named what the yeah, actors yeah, are named. Yeah. So it, it feeds into what this movie is. You know, it's a... It's sort of a found footage approach to a movie. It's more of like a fake documentary in the fact that these characters are shooting constantly. There is a constant question that's never really answered as to who who's, who's holding that? the camera. Yeah. But if you accept that you're sort of a fly on the wall and you're seeing what these guys are doing and what they're doing, they're these high school students that I thought were... I mean, it's another one of those, you know, it's nothing like the spectacular now, but it's shared with the spectacular now a certain understanding of the way people really hang out and the way people really talk to each other and the way friends really are. And especially the way that, like, nerdy uh, uh, movie buff friends would be. I mean, I know when I was a kid, you know, if we had a video camera, we were always running around shooting stuff. And these, these guys, Matt and Owen, definitely have that feel of just the friends that are always shooting something. They're always... They're always doing some kind of project. The kids at their high school, you can tell, think of them kind of as freaks, but they're also not the, you know, they're not like the most hated people in the world. They're just kind of off on their own little island in this school. And it's all about them trying to make a movie where they where they get revenge on bullies and then how that kind of mutates into a plan to get real revenge on the bullies at their school. And, and, and you see that, you know, one of them is more into it than the other. And the movie kind of goes from that angle of, are these guys really planning a mass murder at their school? And and if so, are they going to go through with it? How far is it going to get? There's a real tension that kind of comes into it. But as far as showing 
how a possible path could be taken where someone could go from just having a bone to pick to feeling like we got to do something. This movie definitely takes you down this unsettling path where you really do feel like you're seeing the way these characters, the way these characters go off the deep end. The dirties. The oh. dirties. Yeah, it, it's 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 on video on demand now. Um, Kevin Smith picked, like I guess his production company picked it up and is helping distribute it. Which I would say the fact that his name is on it, uh, don't let that scare you away because this movie has a has a has a technical polish to it and a style that yeah. I don't think any of his films have ever had. No, even, but that, even that... even being a fake documentary found footage thing, it has a real a real kind of directorial confidence to it. And I can't, I'm blown away that it's the kid who starred in it. I mean, you know, because yeah, he, was, he re- was great. The only reason I bring up Kevin Smith is because that's the only reason that either of us heard yeah, of this movie. Right, he distributed oh, okay. it. I don't think it has anything to do with, like, don't relate it to him, but I mean, that's how it's getting out at this point. But yeah, just, there's a quote, there's, on, on the film's marketing, uh, there was a, one of the... Quick Ritz, Ronald? Yeah, quick Ritz. <laughs> one of the, uh, one of the press quotes uh, from a, a writer from the Huffington Post, it was, says... The most uh, empathetic and human portrait of bullying and its deadly consequences ever put on film. And, I mean, that's really the film in a, in a sentence. Mm-hmm. It really is. Un, it just feels so natural, which is really, really scary to yeah. watch these two kids who are making a movie that transitions from being a movie like this, like action, you know, like a spoof. Yes, yeah, spoof movie to a movie about about taking revenge on the bullies and then one of them you can you can kind of feel their friendship fracture and one of them really begins to take this as a real serious thing that like I'm really making a movie about getting even with them like I'm really going to do it and the other friend kind of more so ventures into a normal existence in high school yeah different path yeah like trying to find friends and um the last like minute of the movie is absolutely stunning I mean it is so uncomfortable and scary and like kind of it just you know even just talking about it now it makes me upset because it's like that feels like what it what happens yeah like these kids like i, I can't i have no yeah, yeah, authority you, 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 or, or, right. or experience to like be able to speak on the subject yeah. but in my mind watching something like this the way the last three or four minutes play out and especially the last 60 seconds this is what i imagine it actually happens these kids don't I, I don't know. These yeah. kids don't start out as like killers. No, you know, no. like they start out as just goofball film kids who are making. You know, they're like the the outside of the circle. You know, they're like the uh, the hipsters or you know the the outside. Yeah, I mean, it's very very delicately portrayed. And again, like the character uh, in in the spectacular now, this kid who's kind of an outcast, but kind of not, kind of a cool guy, kind of not, kind of, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, these guys are nerdy, but you see how in college. Or in a oh, different yeah. situation, these guys would flourish because the, I mean, the main guy. Which it's it's really interesting that that it's written and directed by the by the lead because this character that he plays is is such a well observed character, and he is that kind of live wire, funny, crazy guy. That I mean, I was watching this movie. It's hard for me not to filter it through my thoughts about my son and whatever future he's going into and whatever mm-hmm. world when he goes into high school. What's it going to be like? And half the time, you look at this and you go, "I kind of hope that my kid has a friend like this guy." Yeah. And then yeah. the other half of the time, you're like, "Oh Jesus, fuck! I hope my son <laughs> never has a friend like this guy." Right. But like, you wouldn't know. I mean, when kids are having fun and they're running around with a camera, I mean, there's even a bit where they're joking with someone about about we're we're planning a school shooting, and you, you don't know if they know if they're joking. And but certainly the person they're talking to doesn't take it seriously. It's yeah. it's yes, yeah, very uncomfortable because of how believable. It is. It just feels like it walks you to that moment where something like this could happen. And, and again, whether it happens and how it plays out is almost less important 
than that feeling of dread about just like, I know this is going to go bad. And the movie really draws it out. Like it keeps getting deeper and deeper into the the psychology of these characters. And, and again, how they're different, how these two friends really are having a parting of the ways. I'm it reminds me it. of that, the, the Gus Van Sant film, Elephant. Did mm-hmm. you ever see that? It was like, t- it's like from 10 years ago or something. It's about the same thing, like mm-hmm. about like a school shooting and... I remember that. A, that I mean, it, it, I felt like this was way better. I mean, a lot less pretentious and like way less stylized. I mean, it just felt really, really real. I mean, it, it, it felt real. I mean, a kid going to school early with a bag and saying, I'm here just early. I'm meeting yeah. my, you know, it's just like, who questions that shit? Yeah. And it's just like, it's scary. Yeah. It's really scary well, he how goes down to the, the transgression is. He goes down to, I guess, like City Hall or wherever to get the blueprints for the school. And he just says, I'm doing a project for my school. And they just give him the blueprints. I mean, and, and the kid is kind of amazed at how easy it is to do this. But he's such like a bright, funny, kind of mostly, I mean, again. He's like laughing a lot of it off. And to our point of view, somewhat likable character. <clears throat> so you really are sitting, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of stunning what they are able to pull off with this character, really. I mean, I think, you know, you could almost put this in that category of movies that are driven by a central performance because this kid is pretty much on camera for the whole movie yeah, yeah. and it becomes more and more about him and less about, like, the relationship with the friend. But there are certain aspects of their friendship that are familiar to you from, like, Columbine and other situations where it seemed like there's been, like, a, a partnership. Uh, <clears throat> but no, um, just a brief note about another movie I saw that was very, not similar to this at all, but made me think of, of uh, well, when I was watching The Dirties, I thought about Zero Charisma, which I had just seen, which is a which is another movie that kind of takes a sort of a, a bleak, realistic view of like a nerd and in that movie i don't know if you know about zero charisma but it's all about these gamer friends who get together to play a kind of a variation on dungeons and dragons and the game master has got this kind of kind of rules over his little group of nerdy friends but he's like living in his grandmother's house and he's got a crappy job and you can tell he's a little too old to be in the room full of all the posters and He's just that, he's that big overweight guy. There's a scene at the very beginning where he's like buying all the junk food for his friends coming over and the checkout girl is looking at like the, you know, the the chips and candy and soda he's buying. And she's like, what are you buying this stuff for your nephew's birthday party or something? You know, and he's like, no. And, but you, you know, he's that kind of guy, that easily offended, super smart, but like, you know, socially awkward nerd. Yeah. And it, it's a movie that has more to say about what nerdiness really is and what it means to be kind of a dyed-in-the-wool old-school nerd versus kind of a hipster nerd. Because what happens is th- these guys, a spot opens up in their game, and they end up needing to fill it. And the person that fills it is your horn rim-wearing, uh, you know, hipster nerd. Yeah. And I think the movie actually does a pretty good job of showing that the hipster nerd is actually a real nerd, too. He may be, he's not a poser. I mean, like, yeah. he, he seems a little bit more like a poser, but he's like... He's got a legitimate interest in it. And so the movie does not play the game of like, oh, here's the snobby hipster nerd and we are in love with this lovable slob nerd and how they butt heads. It's much more about how this lovable, I mean, lovable is not even the word for him. The slob nerd just basically alienates everybody and basically loses everything that he has before he realizes that he's the cause of much of his own problem. So even though you are supposed to see this hipster nerd as kind of a douche, the story's much more about just how unlikable can you make your protagonist and still and still be on their side. And I think the actor, um, I believe his name is Scott Eidson. Sam Sam Eidson. Scott uh, is the name of the character, but Sam Eidson, who plays the lead, he's just such a talented actor, and he's so good at hitting all the right notes that even when his character is turning you off incredibly with what just sort of like a loathsome, kind of bullying, petty person he is, he, he draws you in with just what a finely tuned performance it is. And so you do sort of, it's hard to root for him. You root for him a little bit, 
But um, the, what was interesting to me was in both movies, both in The Dirties and in Zero Charisma, the room of this main character is like a, a shrine to all of their crazy obsessions. And so his room in Zero Charisma is full of all the little, uh, whatever they call those little metallic figurines what do they call those in the gaming thing i know that they, people um, paint them you know that people get, he's got like the magnifying yeah, glass and he's got the acrylic paint i tried to get into that and he and paints up all those those little uh the, the little they're like little metal figurines yeah. that you used when you're playing the games and it, but it's like you know got all the the band posters all over the wall and then in the dirties the kid's room he's got all of his comic books and trading cards all over the wall and you see how each of the the characters has created this kind of cocoon of all their obsessions Two very nerdy characters, very different approaches. Zero Charisma is not necessarily a lighthearted comedy, but it does eventually uh, stop short of you know having the character uh, plan murdering people. But but <laughs> it, it was funny to be watching those two movies pretty much in the same day and realize that they both are totally different takes on what, what it means to be a social misfit and how sometimes these people are, you know, powder kegs waiting to go off. Yeah. Man, the scene in, uh, in the 30s, like, Towards the end, when 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 uh, it's Matt, right? Yeah. When Matt like comes upstairs finally, and, and you see something else of the house, and he's talking to his mom, mm-hmm. and he just blatantly asks her like, "Am I crazy?" Yeah, do I seem crazy to you? That that scene was just like my worst fear, like of what what maybe a possible like I don't know, like a like a reach out to for some sort of help, you know, or some sort of acknowledgement of something. Not to say that. Not to say that the mother's participation more so than she does in the film would have she doesn't, changed. She the doesn't course. seem like a bad mom. She actually seems like because she even is like, "Why do you feel that way?" Yeah. But it makes you realize, yeah, you could you could really have people fooled. Yes, that's it. That that's what's scary to me. Like that, yeah, that scene is, is really tough to watch. But yeah, I definitely see that man. It's on video on demand now. Um, the dirties. The dirties. Yeah. I wrote it down. Um, and actually, on demand as well is uh, Zero Charisma, which I mean, I would I, I, I would that. I would pretty highly recommend it. I think that it suffers from. Uh, well, it does. It's it's one of those. It's a low budget film that does a lot with its budget. It, it has the kind of broad. There's some performances in it that are kind of broad that kind of take away from the kind of fundamental reality of it. But mm-hmm. it's it treads the line between being kind of a comedy and a and a drama anyway. So I would say Zero Charisma definitely something that I missed in the festival uh, this last year, and I was really glad to finally see it. But it's on demand as well. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah, I gotta check that out. The last one I was gonna just mention real quick was. Uh... It's in theaters now. It's the film Rush. <clears throat> Ron Howard's new film written by Peter Morgan. Uh, I'm sorry, Steve. That's okay. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, also known as Thor, for those of you looking for him, and mm. that's what his next movie is. Uh, and Daniel Bruhl, who's, who's probably, probably going to get nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Um, a movie that I knew nothing about. I mean, I, I beyond beyond the stars and, and the premise, like I don't know anything about Formula One racing. I don't know anything about the history this this based on true events story um about james hunt and nikki lauda um played by chris and 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 uh daniel respectively uh just i tell you man this movie was pretty great um i would definitely see this movie in theaters if you just want to be entertained for almost two hours i think not i mean it's got the feeling of like that sports movie challenge competition vibe that a lot of people like about sports films but I think being like a sport that's not, I guess, one of the mainstream, uh, like the big ones, like baseball, football, basketball, whatever, hockey, um, it, it may not draw the people in for that element. But I think the story itself is incredible. I never knew it, and I and I wish I had, because it's like an ultimate story. It's really about two protagonists that you don't ever really root against one or the other. Mm-hmm. And that's really how the whole thing apparently played out in 1970. 
you know, when this challenge or when this when this uh, when this struggle, this, this competition was happening. Um, I don't, actually, I don't know if it was 70. It was in the 70s. I don't know exactly the year. But um, between these two people who, who were racing for different teams, who were racing for different motivations, mm. uh, James Hunt was like the playboy, the star, the rock star of the circuit. And Daniel, I mean, and uh, Nicky Lauda was more of like the pragmatic, the, the really tactical driver. Mm. Um, and it's just a really cool film. I mean, really excellent, excellent cinematography, shot very well. The racing scenes are really great because... You think a movie that is all about racing... The 1976 season. 76. Thank you, John. Um, all about racing with a lot of racing might get old with just like repeat it. Like, oh, that car's loud. Oh, those are cars <laughs> are fast. That was an awesome turn. Mm-hmm. The really cool framing of the races is, I think, what makes these so exciting because each race is kind of preceded with some sort of um, precaution or some sort of... A framework that lets you be a little more distracted by it, and the racing just really is like the icing on the cake. Oh. You know, things like the weather, or <clears throat> or things like something happening in one of their lives that day, or or coming up the following day, things like that, that almost distract you enough from like, oh, it's another race, and then the race starts, and you're just like, holy shit, that was awesome, mm. you know. And because those events play into their performances, you know, both as actors but also as racers mm-hmm. in the film. Um, you know, just a really cool, uh, really cool racing r- racing sequences, and never. I, I don't think I've ever seen a Formula One race in my life, and I kind of want to watch one just to see what it, what what the experience is like outside of like versus like NASCAR, <clears throat> which I've seen a few and I'm not really a fan of. And reading an interview after I saw it with uh, about um, with Nicky Lauda, basically like him saying that the movie is like extremely accurate, like to to down to like really crazy details is really kind of nice to read because some of the stuff in the movie, like that could not have happened like that. And it, and to hear, you know, the actual, the racer that is based on, you know, in an interview like that, it's something that you don't usually hear about these like based on true event movies. Mm-hmm. Like they're usually, you know, dramatized and, and all these things are added to make it more of a movie. But apparently this competition in 76 really was like quite the crazy experience. And, uh, you know, just, I would definitely go see Rush. It's on my top 10 as of right now oh wow, um, wow. just a really really fun movie um, Olivia Wilde's in it she's great and uh, I can't remember who plays Nikki Lauda's wife in the film um, a female I, I know I've seen her before I just can't place her name I'd have to look it up and maybe add it later but just a really well rounded film and uh, Ron Howard man I just I think he's I don't know I was trying to think of like movies I don't really like by Ron Howard and I don't I have trouble thinking of a movie I dislike. Well, I heard someone compare the visuals to like Wachowski Brothers style Absolutely. visuals, uh, that, which again, that, you don't that, expect that, from Ron Howard that, at all. Yeah, that's something that comes into mind, especially during the racing sequences. Mm-hmm. Like how saturated a lot of the scenery is and just like, there's a, there's a specific race like when it's raining and it proves to be a, a, like a turning point in this whole, you know, competition is a race when it's raining that, that was almost not supposed to take place and really kind of sets forth the, the course of events that, that carry the rest of the film. And uh, that that sequence in, in in particular is just expertly shot. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I mean, just amazing. So I would definitely of all the movies. I mean, Dirties is on demand, so you can get that at home. But go to the theater and see Rush. It's it's a really great movie, and the word of mouth's great. It's not performing extremely well because I think it is kind of a niche kind of movie. But I mean, I loved it. Rush was really great. Ronald? Any more Ritz? There you go, one, Ronald. One more Ritz? I'll take one more. You want to help me finish off the sleeve? So did you say you saw uh, Kevin Hart 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a couple, a couple other like I guess one DVD or video on demands. I, I saw Kevin Hart. Let me explain. How did you like that? Did not did like you, it. Have you seen it? I thought it was okay. I thought it had the structure of like a great performance, but yeah. the material just wasn't his best material. But there, I mean, there were definitely bits that were funny that that I found myself laughing out loud at. But overall, it, it felt like, and I particularly didn't care too much for like the wraparound stuff yeah. and like the 10 minutes of just bragging, was bragging about all the cities he's been in and stuff. It was yeah. a, it really padded out like an hour-long performance into an hour and 15-minute movie. And yeah. I think that part of that hurt, like by the time it got to the comedy, I was almost a little tired of it already. Yeah, I agree. But, but no, I thought, I think it's interesting. I think the most interesting thing to say about the, Let Me Explain, which is the name of this special, is just that it... He's the he's maybe the only stand-up comic right now that is at that level where he's gonna put out a m- movie. Yeah, that's, that's like uh, that. I mean, like I don't know if this ever showed up in a theater, but I don't. You know, yeah, I, it did. It, it, it did it, incredible. It was, it was a hit. It was huge. Okay, so it I mean, that's a, but I mean, is there anyone else at that level? I mean, it seems like every so People often could. there's someone at that level. Like not too long ago, it was Dane Cook who maybe was Louis C.K. and maybe Louis C.K. But even Louis C.K. is almost. Is a different experience. Like Louis C.K.'s approach to stand-up comedy yeah. is wears street clothes on stage, no pyrotechnics. Oh no, I know. But I mean, like Kevin Hart right. is I kind like of the it's a production. Kind of, he's kind of carrying the torch from that that Eddie Murphy uh, yeah. thread. That idea of this guy is a rock star, you know. And again, I guess you could say the same thing about Louis C.K. at this point. But still, the way he does it, he's almost embarrassed by all the crowds being there. Whereas <laughs> yeah. Kevin Hart, it's all about like connecting with that giant crowd. And the one thing I do think comes that comes across, even if the material's not his best is his excitement about being there is very infectious and i did find myself like again you could tell he was very emotionally touched by the the response he was getting yeah Yeah. no that was a great i I did identify with that ending of that and i do still like the fact that he's one of the few comics who who makes himself the butt of the joke so much i mean yeah he's very self-effacing and it's like that continues to be funny it's just i felt like every joke he made in this special was like a new version of a joke he's already made. I need to watch more. I mean, like, I, I'm not Did super... You, have fr- you seen his other stuff? Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm not well, super familiar with him. I know who he is, and I know I've seen certain bits His from other stuff, his early stuff, that has shown really me, good. and I thought it was hilarious. But yeah. I felt what lacked from this stand-up film was a lot of great stand-up material, and I, yeah. I wasn't, like, dying like I thought I was going to be. Well, what, exactly what John was saying, you have to see his last one to understand the references why they're so funny the references in the new one which is kind of a there are kind of callbacks yeah they're callbacks to other jokes which is so you've seen the other one Mm -hmm. what's that called he's had two right before this Uh, there was laugh of my pain was right when his mom died or i'm just curious if like it's been recent fairly i mean he has he's had two but the i'm looking here to see all of his uh you should see the first one, the 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 one that one's on Netflix. There's Laugh at My Pain. There's Seriously Funny, which I think was the one that Seriously I... Funny was the first one, right? Yeah, I think that's it. Seriously Funny is the one you should see. Okay. And then Laugh at My Pain is good, but Seriously Funny, I think I think that one of the things that makes Kevin Hart so amazing is is how universal his comedy is. It, the fact that it's not one of the things that got to me as I got older about showing people raw and delirious is how like isolating it could be mm-hmm. racially yeah. and, and like faggot well i would say that kevin that. hart slips into some of that kind of casual homophobia at, at times uh, yeah but again yeah. the joke is still directed back on him in most of those instances yeah. and he seems to be kind of joking about how he feels like he's maybe in a culture where where 
you'd have to be careful about those implications of homophobia or, or you yeah. know, homosexuality or whatever. But it's like, again, I feel like he's joking about it. Whereas you're right, with Eddie Murphy, some of that stuff just has not aged well at all. It hasn't. Yeah. Like it hasn't. Some of those it's are jokes you wouldn't amazing. get away with making now without having to right. couch it in something, you know? Because yeah. it's like he was honestly, like those jokes that Eddie Murphy made are just like... Aren't aren't gay people weird? You know what I mean? It's like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like almost the assumption is that no gay person is going to listen to this sure. and need it's, to laugh at it. As a time stamp on it, yeah. It's it's like, did you hear that uh, Tracy Morgan is going to try doing stand up with no profanity? Oh no, I didn't hear that. He's like his last like like tour had no profanity apparently. So hmm. it's interesting that people are kind of taking a more clean approach. I feel like he can't be too clean mm-hmm. even without profanity, but but. I don't know. Ke- you should watch Kevin. Yeah, I, I, I will watch. I mean, because I'm genuinely good, interested like, in really. finding like a really good comedian that is like what everyone seems to think of. Yeah. I like his art. bits about his uncle. Yes. Do you like Aziz? I love Aziz. Yeah. I have. You, did you watch? The, have you seen his new stuff? Yeah. I can't wait to see. You know. Oh, so I guess we should talk about that straight to Netflix. His next. Oh wow. Oh yeah. So his next special. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it because I saw it like a while ago mm-hmm. at downtown. Watched him perform, and it was it was so different than everything that he had done prior to that. Oh, we were there together in different seats, right? Yeah, in different yeah, seats. Yeah. yeah, and and it's it's interesting to see how different he he's grown so much, and his subject matter is changing. Seeing somebody grow that could be kind of I don't know. I think there's a lot ahead for him and mm-hmm. Kevin Hart and Louis C.K. Just keeps getting better. Well, I mean, he's a, I saw him last New Year's Eve, and it was very Louis much, C.K. and it was very much like you know the special that came out. A, a few months ago was a lot of the material that I saw him doing. So it was kind of, that's always interesting to see the live performance and then see that what they eventually release, because you can tell there's certain things you go, Oh, what I remember may have actually been funnier in this way, but this is funnier than what I saw because you know, certain things they develop. And I think that's really interesting the way stand up comics like Louis CK famously is, you know, basically turns over an hour every year. Most comics don't move that fast, but I think that concept of you tour it, you, you hone it, you, you release it, you're done with that material. It's totally different from the way it used to be where a comic might have an hour of material and might tour on, on the back of it for 20 years telling yeah. the same jokes, you know? Like, you, you, don't get, you don't get to do greatest hits as a comedian as much as you used to. I think now people want to hear new material. Yeah, totally. they, they don't even want to hear you tell a joke that they heard you tell on The Tonight Show. You know, yeah. they, they don't want it to be anything that's not fresh. So They were talking about that too, like the, the idea that they have to have security around because the jokes get out and people repeat them. Did you see the James Franco uh, roast? No. Um, Aziz did a really good job during that. Andy Samberg, did, did you watch it? No, did you watch it? Yet? You should watch it. Um, Andy Samberg it did this really good set that people really didn't get, but he's like kind of playing on the whole idea that he's doing a terrible set. Yeah. Like that's the whole gimmick, but like it's done in such a good well, way. Well, uh, Norm MacDonald did that brilliantly at the Bob Saget roast <laughs> where he came out and his jokes were so corny, but he just sticks with it. And by the time he gets like, a, you know, what it uh, that gets me rolling still because right. you can feel the crowd yeah. start to get it and then start to really it's, appreciate it's, what he's doing. It's and weird still, when don't get it's it. still a weird thing to do. Though. It's yeah. still like, you know, kind of brave to go out there yeah. and like. Bombing on purpose is one of the funniest yeah. things I've ever seen. But also, I think in that context, avoiding dirty jokes is the other thing that made that so funny, is to yeah. come out and on the Bob Saget roast where everyone is, you know, it's sure. the most vulgar content of all time. Yeah, for someone to come out and be clean and corny 
and be hilarious. Yeah. You know, that was, yeah, that worked on so many levels. I did my first clean set that ended in a breast joke. I was fine. I was five minutes. I was done. I'm like, done, clean, no, jo- no dirty jokes. And I'm like, I have to tell this breast joke in front of these old ladies so they will not forget me. I told it, man. It's like, yes. Five minutes of clean material, man. I felt so, I was so proud of myself. I've been doing it for like a year. I'd never had a clean set. Clean set. And then you popped a titty. Man, I popped. That's all it takes. That's all it takes is a titty joke. (laughs) And to hear an old black lady go, oh my goodness. That's all that counts. That's all I wanted to hear. And it worked. So. Job well done. Job Mission, mission. To come. We're all out of crackers. <laughs> crackers are gone. We're all out of movies. The conversation only lasts as long as the pack of crackers. That's the new. That's the new rule. <laughs> that's our new thing. That yep. just happened. We just came up with that. Yeah. What no more crackers. Genius. No more show. Mm. Well, that's episode eighty-eight. It really was. That was. That was it. Thanks for listening. I think that's the only number that the only two-digit number except for eleven. That if you turn it upside down, it still kind of looks this that's the true. same number. That's true. It blew my mind. Everybody, everybody chew on that for the next <laughs> week or two. We're, we hope we'll be back next week with a new episode, but Steve is going away it's... for his annual trip to uh, to Hogwarts, is it? Where, where, where are you going, Steve? Where are you going? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, back to Orlando. Mm-hmm. Are you going to the Breaking Bad thing? For, I mean, not Breaking Bad. The Hold Hollywood on. Horror Nights. Don't Walking tell Dead. me. The Walking Dead, that's Walking what it Dead. is. Walking yeah. Dead. Don't they have a Resident Evil house? Yes. And they have a uh, Cabin in the Woods house, yes. too. And damn it, Evil damn Dead, and American Werewolf in London. Steve, do us a favor. Yes, sir. Record memos okay. throughout your experience so that we okay. can we can have Please a little do. highlight reel of Steve's reactions to all the fun. Are you going to take that That'll Universal awesome. Studios app where it tells you the time of each the the wait time? <laughs> wait, dude, what I'm a, a good I'm, app. I'm a pro, Ronald. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, I'm a pro, dude. once I discovered, you have no idea. Once I discovered that, I was like, life this is so is... much easier. How does that happen? Is there person? Is there one person observing that? How does that work? No, you can. You, like people have the app, and you, you can and check you in. It's like it. crowdsource. That is such a good idea. I remember when I went to Universal, I was like, "What is this app?" Mm-hmm. Boop. That's not busy. I can't wait. I'll be. In, I'll be. I'll be on my way there. <laughs> Are you getting one of those? Actually, mega- yes, as this episode is yeah. dropping, you yeah. will be. Are you getting one of those passes so you can go ahead? Are you? I kind of wanted to try that. Not for the park itself, but for the horror nights. Yes, I think next you, time you absolutely around, need it because it is packed. Right, and we, and to get through all the houses and all the uh, shows and the scare zones and everything, like having that little express pass thing is like, it's expensive as all hell, but it's worth it to be able to go through everything more than once if you want. Mm. But yeah, I can't wait. And then of course I will go to Hogwarts. Yeah, my 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 stop, and I oh. will also be going to Disney World as well. So wow, sure you're doing it all. I really want to go to Disney World again. I didn't go to Uni- I went to Universal the last time I went to Florida. And I I wanted to go to Disney. Cannot World, wait. So. Well, we hope you have a good time. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. Oh, and yeah, like have like a we said, time. maybe maybe back next week with a new one. If not, a week after that. Try to squeeze her in for sure. Yeah, and probably by the time we will have seen some movies. I can't. I don't know what all the release dates are, but there's still some good stuff coming out. Some good stuff coming up next couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's heating up. What's coming up? About time. Uh, Twelve Years a Slave mm. in the state. Wow. What about uh, that? Captain Phillips, which is out now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you but, mean Tom Hanks versus the Somali Pirates? Dude, apparently it's incredible. 
Man, I, I you got to see it, Paul Greengrass. I mean, you got to see this movie. I got to say, it, look, it, it, it looks really good, but it does not look like a fair fight between those like five skinny guys with guns and like the enti- like the entire U.S. Army coming in. It does not look like a fair fight. <laughs> the movie at all. ends with him throwing Wilson. So, yeah, right. So the first <laughs> the first version of the trailer was them just being these heartless people, mm-hmm. and then there's the second trailer when uh, when uh, Somali guy's like, I can't go back. Yeah. I can't go it's back. It's not about. And I was that. like, Oh, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Now I get it. Because I was like, Is it just gonna be like? <clears throat> kind of like Argo. Is, is it going to be like those sort of foreign people? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be people with hearts that have a, <laughs> some, right. some like ideas about things? And we'll, have to well, we'll know soon enough oh, when yeah. we all go see it and talk about Tom it. Tom Hanks versus movie. the Somali Pirates. Captain Phillips. <laughs> I wonder if there's any phone booths on that, <laughs> I on that was just going to say. On that boat. Doubt it, though. Highly unlikely. They have sea phone booths out there. Sea phone booths. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. There's gonna be a wire going into the water. Hello, we need help. Hello, we need help. <laughs> the fucking funny with that. I love how instead of using like satellite phones, Ronald's dropping lines into the ocean like to get a freaking call. Hello. But we, we'll discuss that. We'll see if they have phones like that on the boat yeah. uh, in the next episode, probably. In my movie, it would. Well, well. Until until then, we'll see you guys in episode 89. As always, you made our day. Take care. Uh-huh. For some reason, we were talking about the Somali pirates saying, I was thinking, (laughs) (laughs) oh, God, yeah.